Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are going to wrap up our study on the family tree of Jesus. And and I there, there was a part of me that's like, well, we're, we're past Christmas, so should we really be talking about Mary? It's like, of course we should be talking about Mary. This is silly that we're saying, oh, we can't talk about the mother of Jesus uh, like uh, a couple of weeks after we celebrate his birth. So yeah, we're going to talk about Mary because she's the, the last uh, woman that is actually mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus that uh, we were studying in the, the first book of Matthew, or the first chapter of Matthew. And we're going to be studying Mary and kind of similar to, to what we talked about for those of you that were here during the Christmas Eve service, where the goal is to, to stop for just a moment and to, to just think about what it must have been like for, for Mary as a person. Because she was a person. She was real. She, she had feelings. She had plans. She had hopes and dreams just like anybody else. She was a young teenager in an unimportant town called Nazareth. She lived in the the hills of Galilee. She came from a a poor but, but honorable family. Her family were descendants of Israel's greatest king, David. She'd been trained in the the scripture. She knew great portions of scripture by heart. She knew that God had promised to send the Messiah one day and that the Messiah would rescue his people. For 400 years, God had been silent. There was no new scripture that was written. There were no prophets that had spoken every Jewish girl prayed that, that she would be the mother of the Messiah. That was, that was something that they hoped for. Mary loved God. She wanted to serve God with all of her heart, but she was, she was just a poor girl. She was just a poor girl in an insignificant town. No great expectation that her life was going to be different from her mother's or her mother's before that or her grandmother's, great-grandmother's, and on and on. No expectation for a change existed. In the, the time that, that we find Mary, uh, women were typically betrothed when they reached puberty. And usually that happened a year before they got married. Mary was betrothed to, to Joseph, and they were to be married within a year. She's spending her last year at home learning how to be a, a good Jewish wife and a mother. And, and in the meantime, we have Joseph, who's the carpenter, who's, who's hardworking, he's responsible, he's a, a kind man. And that the more that Mary learned about Joseph, the more she recognized that she was blessed to be able to, to join this family. Life would be, be good with Joseph. This was, was a good step for her. 
She was glad that her parents had, had made this match. And one day when Mary's just going about her business, learning what she needs to learn to be able to keep the house, which was the responsibility of the wife at that time, she's surprised by an unusual visitor. If we look at, at Luke chapter 1, and we put ourselves in the shoes of Mary, we see that in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And it's so easy to read this as, this is great news, but in, in Mary's mind, you're just thinking, this is terrible. This isn't good news at all. Everything that you just said is not great for me. This was not in my plans. This was not in my father's plans, in my mother's plans, and in my fiance's plans. Nobody planned for me to get pregnant. Do you know what they're going to say about me? There's a couple of things for us to look at when we look at this greeting. The first one, Greetings, you who are highly favored. This is where in the Latin we see Ave Maria. Full of grace. The word favor that, that is used here translates to grace. And, and what we're seeing here is, is not that Mary is full of grace, that she is the distributor of grace, but she is the, the recipient of grace. She is highly favored. And the angel tells her, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah, the savior of your people. All of the promises that had been made in, in the scriptures that, that she would have studied, that she would have memorized, are going to come true through this promise. In verse 34, we, we see that, that Mary asks the question that everybody asks that knows how, how making a baby works. How is this going to work if I'm still a virgin? And the, the angel has, gives an answer that, that kind of stretches Mary a little bit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. 
And if I'm Mary and that's, that's the explanation I get, I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I mean, obviously we're not speaking ill of the Holy Spirit, but I don't necessarily think I would have caught on to, oh, okay, that, that's how I'm going to have a kid. But it didn't matter that she didn't understand it. She believed that God would do what he said he was going to do. She believed, just like the angel said in that last verse, that nothing is impossible with God. And what we see next is Mary doing exactly what every single one of us would have done. The only concrete thing that was made clear in this entire uh, message from the angel Gabriel was that Elizabeth was pregnant. And so what did Mary do? She went to go check the only thing she could check. <laughs> she said, I, I got to make sure this wasn't like bad lamb skewers from the night before. We need to go make sure this is a real thing that is happening. And so she packs it up and she goes, I think it's like 80 miles 70, 80 miles, something like that, to find Elizabeth. And as she's going through that journey, that's a, that's a long time to just kind of be thinking. When you are on a trip, when you're on a journey like that, that's weeks of just wondering. Did, did that angel really say what, what I thought he said? Who am I to be made a, a part of this remarkable point in history? God performs the miracle with, with Elizabeth and Zechariah and so she, she goes down there, and in, in verses 39 to 45, we read, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And if you're married, you're just like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't just make it all up. <laughs> Elizabeth knew without Mary having to say a word. God used Elizabeth to confirm to Mary that, that she would be the mother of the Son of God. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord said to her will be accomplished. She believed that God would do what he said he would do. And that's called faith.
Do you have that kind of faith? Do I have that kind of faith? Do you believe that God will do what he says he will do? There are times that I don't know that I have that kind of faith. This is a young teenager who simply believed God and chose to serve him with all of her life. And Mary responds and her, her, her heart is filled with praise in Luke 1, 46 through 55. I'm not gonna read all of it. We see this response that comes from Mary and it's, it's this hymn of praise. It's poetry, it's prophecy. It tells us some very important things about Mary when we look at it. The first thing that it shows us about Mary is that she had a a depth of spiritual understanding. She, She wasn't ignorant to the things of God. She had knowledge of of God's word because large portions of this this song that she sings are pulled from the, the Psalms. And it wasn't like she just got to go up to Google and be like, I can't remember what Psalms like 100 is. Let me, let me pull it up. No, it was, she just knew. She just knew and it poured out of her in praise. Does God's word pour out of you in praise? When you look at the, the response that you see that, that Mary gives, it, it kind of points back to another song of praise that we see in the Old Testament, the song of Hannah, as she's there in the temple and she's praising God. She's pleading with God. In 1 Samuel 2, what we see in this this hymn or this song that she sings is that she also knows God's character. The only way that you can truly know God's character is if you are saturated with the word of God. Mary knew something about herself. And it was a very specific point that was called out in the the video that we watched on Christmas Eve. In verse 47, we see what she says. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because Mary was just like every single one of us. She was born from Adam. She was a sinner with a sin nature, just like every single one of us is. Mary knew that a sinner was in need of a Savior. A Savior that would forgive her sins, that would redeem her. It's common now in certain areas to make the mistake of saying that Mary was sinless or is sinless. 
because of the, the scripture that says that blessed is she among women. But that wasn't the case. Mary recognized, just like all of us, that she needed a savior. In verse 56, Mary stays with Elizabeth for about three months and then returns home. I think it's probably safe to say that she stayed there until John the Baptist was born. She stayed there. It would have been weird for her to leave like right when her cousin was going to have the baby. So she, she stays probably until John is born and she goes back to, to Nazareth. And I think that the trip home was probably a lot harder than the trip there because the trip home was a, well, I guess it's time to tell mom and dad. Well, I guess it's time to tell Joseph. This will be fun. Can you imagine what those conversations were like? Take your, yourself out of Mary's shoes for just a moment and put yourself in Mary's father's shoes. Would you believe her? I don't know that I would. Take yourself out of Mary's father's shoes and, and put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Would you believe her? He didn't. He didn't believe her at first. He, he said, well, this is unfortunate. And he makes plans to quietly break off the engagement. until he receives a dream. He didn't believe her until the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph says, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. The angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, you need to marry Mary anyway. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Notice he obeyed immediately. It wasn't, a, well, let me think about this. Let me have a, a Bible study about it. Let me, let me kind of just dwell on this for a week or two. No, it was a, well, that's what was said, and that's what I'm going to do. 
And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Mary has been married. She's three months pregnant. What are the next six months like? I mean, the people of Nazareth can count to nine. I think they, they probably put that together. Can you imagine what it was like going through that small town? When you would have to go to the market to go buy some fruit or you would go to the market to buy some bread or to, to get that jug of wine that you needed Maybe they would sell to you, maybe they wouldn't. You know that every time you walked out, there were people talking about you, people looking at you in ways that were not the ways that you wanted to be looked at. Mary was able to endure rumors about her reputation because she knew what was true. In Luke 2, Mary was very much near the end of her pregnancy when Caesar gives the decree that everybody has to go to their hometown to be enrolled for tax purposes. So Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem because that's the city of David. They, they travel the 90 miles, maybe on a donkey, maybe she just walked, we don't know. They arrive in town, we know the story, the, the town's full, the inn's full, the best they can do is a stable, which is more than likely a cave in the side of a hill. She has the baby, wraps him in clothes, and, and lays him in a manger. And at that point, when there's no room in an inn, when there is no place for Jesus to be laid except for in a feeding trough. You have to wonder if maybe at that point Mary's saying, this doesn't seem right. God, is this, is this really what's supposed to be happening? Isn't this a big deal? Doesn't, doesn't this matter? Doesn't this change everything? Why is this not being shouted from the rooftops? And, and little did she know it was being shouted from the rooftops, just not the roof that she was under. Because in fields nearby, the heavens were split open and heavenly hosts were proclaiming glory to God in the highest. And just as Mary is sitting in that stable wondering, God, is this... Is this really all there is? The shepherds come. And without really any explanation to Mary and Joseph that we see, they bow down and worship their Messiah. And again, Mary says, oh, okay. <laughs> I understand now. And then a, a little later, the, the wise men 
from the east come and, and they, they give gifts because they've followed a star. And, and now Mary and Joseph come to, to understand that there is a heavenly body that has been put over them, that has been a guide to them. That the very heavens have been used to draw people to the Savior. Forty days they go to the temple and, and they go to dedicate him. And, and there God sends two people out of the blue that have never met Joseph or Mary or Jesus. Two old people who have been waiting for a savior. And again, they bring confirmation and, and show Mary that, yes, this is exactly who God said he would be. When Simon holds the, the child in his arms, he praises God for his savior. And he turns to Mary and in verses 34 and 35, he says directly to her, blessed, Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And if you stop and you look, at the life of Christ. If you stop and look at the life of Jesus when he was alive, after he died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, and you look at, at the life of Jesus as it is today, that is exactly what he has been. And there's a phrase that, that Simon says, and a sword will pierce your own soul. This child this son of God was going to suffer. And because he suffered, his mother suffered. <coughs> Every one of us who has been a parent knows that, that that is true, that the worst thing that you can go through is to see your child suffer when you can't do anything about it. <coughs> as we prepare to go to communion this morning. We, we have followed the, the life of Mary from the, the birth of Jesus, and we're gonna fast forward now to, to the death of her son. What we know about Mary in terms of the crucifixion of Jesus is that she does not turn away. We know that Mary is with Jesus up to the very end. As Jesus is nailed to a cross, his hands and his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, Jesus looks down to Mary and he looks down to his, his best friend, John. And in those moments, he gives his mother to John. He says, John, I need you to take care of my mom. And he tells his mom, Mom, John's going to look after you. It's going to be okay. 
And then Jesus dies on the cross. And Mary mourns the loss of a son. There's nothing here that says that Mary always knew that Jesus was going to rise again the third day. She saw what she saw. But she was there just like everybody else when Jesus came back. Recognizing that the shedding of blood addressed that need that she had. The, the loss of life, the, the penalty that was paid was paid not just for everyone else, but it was paid for her too. That Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is for you, mom. And everyone else. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the blood that is going to change everything. And Mary is, is sitting there in the background just wondering, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? that the blood of my son is going to change everything. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we thank you for the cross. God, we thank you for the blood that was applied. God, we thank you for the, the faith of a mother. Lord, as we come to the table this morning, as we receive that undeserved gift of your blood poured out for us, Lord, we ask that you would strengthen our faith. God, there are absolutely areas in my life where I need to trust that you will do what you say you will do. Where I need to trust that you are faithful. God, as we go into this new season, as we go into this new year, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust in you. Help us to recognize that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are an unchanging, everlasting God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 